different right now. Um, if everyone who's in the North Sanctuary could find a seat among the people over here, if you want to grab your stuff quickly and just move over here, I would really appreciate it. You know I don't do this. I've never done this. So just, just help me to um, follow the Spirit this morning. And those of you out here, could you make room for people to sit by you? If you can move your coats, purses, coffee, Hopefully there's no weapons or anything sitting beside you, but move those too so we can invite those from the North Sanctuary to come. There's some seats in the middle over here, and there's some seats over here on this side as well. So this will be able, this will uh, have me be able to project this message to you all face to face. It's an important message this morning. So I, I truly thank you all for your obedience and moving. Church, can we give them a hand? They did that so gracefully. Thank you so much for repositioning yourselves. And sometimes, church, it takes that. Sometimes we do have to reposition ourselves in order to be uh, positioned under the cloud that is raining, right? Sometimes uh, I've been in some storms where it's raining on one side of the street and not the other side. So I'm just trying to move everyone right now to where it's about to rain. So, Father, we thank you for your rain, your R-E-I-G-N, that rain, God. And I thank you, Father God, for your servants that belong to you this morning. We ask in Jesus' name that you would give this church a word from heaven this morning. We ask that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church today. I thank you, God, that I will be speaking today to kingdom ambassadors, people, Father God, that you have saved and called and equipped, God, to do the work of the kingdom. I thank you, God, that these are not just churchgoers I get to speak to, God, but these are disciples, no different than the 12 disciples that you called, God. You called them, you cleaned them, you taught them, you sent them on a mission with purpose and with power, and that's who we are today, God. America needs the ministry that lives inside of these men and women and boys and girls, God. Church is not about a history lesson. We don't come to hear what happened, God. We come to hear what is happening. For you are a God that is the yesterday, the God of today, the God of forever. You are Alpha and Omega. God, I thank you for an anointing upon your servant to deliver this message to your people. I pray for an anointing upon your people to not only hear this message, God, but to respond wholeheartedly and do what you are requiring them to do. I thank you that today that the kingdom of darkness gets shook. I thank you, God, that today that the gates of hell do not prevail against your church, God. I thank you today that you will shore up marriages in this house, God, that you will release healing in this house today, God, that you will release deliverance in this house today, God, and that no weapon that is formed against us shall ever prosper, God, because you have sent your spirit, your anointing to live with us and in us. I thank you for your power that's being released right now. Let an anointing fill this place right now. And not only those who are here, but those who are listening as well. Jesus, I ask that you will forgive me of all of my sins and trespasses. Forgive us all. Cleanse us now that we might hear this holy word. 
and that we might be able to fulfill this holy word by the power of your Holy Spirit. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Church, can you say amen this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Today's message, we're continuing in the series called Exercising Authority. And today's uh, sermon is entitled, The Kingdom, the Power, the Glory. Because the kingdom has come, we have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit and a responsibility to tell others. Again, because the kingdom has come, we have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit and a responsibility to tell others. We're going to begin today in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And it will be on the screen, so if you could just all stand for a moment, we're going to read or recite the Lord's Prayer all together. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, as John's, uh, John's disciples asked him how to pray, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And this is how Jesus, the man full of the spirit of the Lord, the man sent from heaven to earth with the power of God and the authority of God and who was God, taught his disciples to pray in this manner. And this is the manner we should always pray. It releases something. And today we're talking about the king the power and the glory. God, may we forever be changed in your presence in this moment. May we forever be changed by your word in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin. It says, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, saints. You may be seated at this time. That is the Lord's Prayer. And he says, our Father. We know that God is a spirit. And for him to be our Father, we must have had a spiritual transformation. Uh, a few Last week, I believe it was on Wednesday, I was invited to take place. Uh, I was invited to witness an adoption that happened in the courts. And as I sat there and watched it, I'm like, wow, God, this is an amazing process. And it's exactly what you did for us. You adopted us as your sons and daughters as well. And since we are adopted, we are able to say our father in heaven. The reason we just worshiped him is because hallowed be his name. And the first thing that we asked for in that prayer was your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Church, can you say the kingdom of God? Oh, man, I've got some great news for you guys today because although our bodies might be positioned within the United States of America and although we might be under a government system, you know, with the president and the White House and, and the, uh, the House of Representatives and Congress and all that, that's all natural. Church, can you say natural? Now, we respect those who have natural authority over us. God tells us to do that. 
But I want you to know today that there's a higher authority than what men carry, and that is the kingdom of God. It all, it all is living inside of his kingdom. Now, God is the one that positions one and puts down another, but it's all within the system of the kingdom of God. And we are citizens of the kingdom of God this morning. So what is the kingdom of God? All right. The definition of kingdom is this, the eternal kingship of God. And it is the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. Now, we know that America is just dirt. It is a landmass, but a government power controls this landmass, right? So America controls not only the continental United States of America, but we've got Alaska and Puerto Rico and some places that do not actually touch the continental USA. Hawaii being another one, all right? I've never been there with like to go, all right? Uh, but anyway, uh, America is just dirt, but the government controls that dirt, that land. Even the airspace of America is, is uh, over America is controlled by the government as well. But the Bible says that, at, that God created Adam from what? From the dust of the ground, from the dirt, right? And so when we are born again, we become a new part of the kingdom spiritually. So while, while, American, uh, while the, gov the U.S. government controls the land of America and what happens in it, we are controlled by a higher power, which is God. We have become a part of the kingdom of God. Again, what does that mean? It, it means that we are members or subjects under the eternal kingship of God. And it also means that we live within the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. Can you put your hand on yourself and you can, can you say this with me, please? I am, I am the, realm the realm in which God's will, God's will. is fulfilled. Come on, you better know that so that when sickness comes against you, you belong to God's kingdom. When, when demonic oppression comes against you, you belong to God's kingdom. When the enemy comes against you, you belong to God's kingdom. And just like if anyone tried to attack America, America would send its powers to knock it down. We know that the kingdom of God is controlled by God himself. And if anything messes with us, we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Amen. Say this with me. I am a part of his kingdom. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I cancel every distraction that's happening in here right now. Satan, you will not distract these people. They will hear exactly what thus saith the Lord this morning. We need this message because you want us to have dominion. You want us to have power. You want us to be able to exercise the authority in which you have given us as members of your kingdom. So Satan, you're a liar. There's nothing that you control in this room. There's nothing that you control in our lives, in our bodies bodies and in our minds, for we have been purchased with a price, and we are now part of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 4.20, we're learning about what is exactly the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. Or basically, the kingdom of God is not just talk, but power. So everything that you might hear me say from this pulpit, is, as long as it's the word of God, is backed by power. That is why last week's message was so effective and so powerful, because we have to learn that 
The word of God is more the most powerful thing in the universe. The word of God is how the universe was even formed and made. The word of God has nothing that can restrict it or block it from happening. For God says this, that my word never returns void to me. So that is why the word must be hidden in our heart and why the word must be proclaimed from our mouth because the word has power. And God's kingdom, while it does operate by words, it's not just words alone, it's power. Not just words, but power. That is why the word must be alive in us, and it's not about gossip, it's not about feelings, it's not about our will or our understanding, it's always about the word of God alone. So, we have become so soft. We have become so emotional. We have become, if, 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 we, if we feed into the vein of American society and banks collapsing and not enough food, we can be swayed with the words that don't belong to the kingdom. Oh, man, I hope you're catching this. Be careful what words you're swayed by because words have power too. You see, the devil uses words in his kingdom as well, and those words are called lies. And God uses words in his kingdom, and those words are called truth, right? So we've got to be careful, and we have to discern which words we are living under, because some of us are living under words that are not true. Some of you are living under words that your parents said about you that are not true, and they still hold you back. Some of you are living under words that you have said about yourself that you have come into agreement with, and they are not true. They are not kingdom words. So the first thing we learn is that the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it is living by God's power. Let's go to Romans 14, 17 now. When the law was active, everybody was trying to, you know, fulfill the law and live by the law. Do this and don't do that. But the kingdom of God is not rules, okay? For the kingdom of God, Romans 14, 17, is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's what the kingdom of God is. If you want to know the definition of the kingdom, it's right there. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what does that tell us? That wherever the rulership of God is, there will be righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if you belong to God, if you're a piece of God's kingdom, if God's kingdom lives in you, you have at all times access to righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. So sometimes you got to say, uh-uh, whatever's going on inside of me right now is not related to the kingdom of God. I have righteousness. So if the, if the enemy ever tries to come against you and say, you know what, you're not saved, you're not going to heaven, you say, get out of here, you liar, for the kingdom of God lives in me, and I have righteousness. I've obtained righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a member of the kingdom of God. So what is righteousness then? Righteousness is right standing with God through the blood of Jesus Christ that was obtained by the forgiveness of sins through faith. So if you're righteous, what does that mean? That we were all born into sin 
And because of that, the wages of sin is death. And those who will meet that death, the anger of God and the wrath of God will come against all that is unrighteous. But that is not us anymore. We have now become members of the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit. We have righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. We are in right standing with God. Man, I didn't used to be in right standing with God. And I was a fool and having fun doing it. But God has taken the blinders off of our eyes and said, you know what? I was wrong with God. But I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and decided I'm going to give my life to God. I want this righteousness that he's talking about. And what is righteousness? Right standing with God. That God doesn't see me as an enemy anymore. That God sees me as a son or a daughter. That I have been made right by the blood of Jesus Christ. That the same holiness and the same righteousness that is in Jesus Christ is in me now. Why? Because he shared his righteousness with us. Come on. The righteousness of Jesus Christ was shared with us. So because the Bible says that our own righteousness is as filthy rags. So we won't be presenting our righteousness to God. Man, we'll be presenting Jesus's righteousness to God. Why? Because we believed on Jesus Christ and he saved our souls and now we are right with the Father again. Can you say this with me? I am right with God. That's what righteousness is. Hallelujah. That we are right with God. We used to be wrong. We used to be in sin. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because the kingdom of God has come, we now have right standing with God. And since we have right standing with God, we now have peace. Remember the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So since we have righteousness, we now have peace. What does peace mean? Peace means no condemnation. Because we're in Christ, right? Peace means the wrath of God. Man, this is such good news. You should, I, I used to be scared to read Revelation, but not anymore. Because I don't have to worry about all of that stuff that's going to happen. Because I am on the right side of God. I am on the, I am in the, I'm on the mercy side of God, not the wrath side of God. So this means that since we have righteousness, we have peace with God. I don't have to worry about the terror of God because I've got the love of God, right? So we've got peace with God. So we are not condemned anymore, right? So now what does this mean? That we have fullness. To have peace means to have fullness in Christ, meaning nothing missing, nothing broken, completely redeemed. Now, see, you see how a lie can fit in? And you can begin to believe that something is missing in your righteousness, that you're not all right with God. Because whenever you think that you're not totally right with God, you have no peace. So you have to have righteousness first, which will produce peace in you, because Adam, once he sinned, he did not have peace with man, did not have peace with God anymore. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Now, since we have righteousness and peace now, now we can have joy. Church, can you say joy? Can you say joy? joy? Now, the church should have a whole lot more joy than it does right now. And I'm not talking about just this service. I'm talking about as we walk around through life that we should have joy. Not just when it's tax return time. Not just when dinner's ready. Not just when the car starts. I'm talking about a constant state of joy where we are always rejoicing. Why? Because we have righteousness and right standing with God and we have peace with God. Is there anything bigger than that? 
there's nothing more important than being in right standing with God and having peace with God because all this stuff will fade away. The things that you're crying about today are going to fade away. doesn't even matter anymore when you're in the grave. doesn't even matter anymore when you're with Jesus. So the, the purchase, the thing that was purchased for us by God was the kingdom of God was given to us. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What is joy? Joy is a spiritual fruit that produces the ability to rejoice in God's goodness. So if you don't have joy, I just have to ask you then, what are you thinking about? Like, what is going on in your life where you don't have joy? Because joy is a fruit which produces the ability to rejoice in God's goodness. So I might not be feeling well today, but I can still have joy. Why? Because the word of God says that he is my healer. And I've got joy about that. I've got joy that God loves me and in just a matter of time I will have whatever he said I can have. So I've got joy. If I told you all I'd be all I'd be paying off your cars and your mortgages today after service, you'd have some instant joy, wouldn't you? Why would you have joy even though it wasn't in your hand? Because you had anticipation of goodness. That's what joy is. Joy is anticipation of goodness. So I might not have it in my hand right now, but what's that thing called? Ah, faith. Faith is the thing that attaches us to our joy. Faith is the anticipation of goodness even when it doesn't look well. Maybe our problem is we've been living this life too much with our eyes open. Right? Faith doesn't come by sight. So if you have, uh, if you're feeling dejected or depressed or anxious, my, my question is what are you looking at and why? The joy of the Lord is truly our strength. Amen? Amen. Amen. So where is the kingdom of God then? Let's go to Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21 to find out where this kingdom is. It says this. Now, this, this is uh, Jesus. Uh, they had been talking to Jesus, okay? Now, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, remember, this is the Son of God, on earth talking to them. So the kingdom of God is right in front of them, but had not been revealed to them or either they had refused to believe. Okay. He replied, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed or with a visible display, nor will people say, look, here it is, or there it is. For the kingdom of God is among you because of my presence. Some translations say the kingdom of God is in you. So where's the kingdom of God? In us. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, right? And wherever the Spirit of the wherever the Spirit is Lord, we have liberty there. So the kingdom of God is wherever He is present. And the kingdom of God is in those who belong to Him. That's where the kingdom of God is. Remember, it's not just words, but it is power as well. Speaking of power. Let's hear about the power and authority of the kingdom. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. So, if Jesus Christ was the kingdom of God, and he did announce himself and say the kingdom of God is at hand, then we should see righteousness going forth, people being made right with God. We should be seeing peace go forth. And what is peace? Nothing missing, nothing broken. So when, when the kingdom encounters people who are demon-possessed, or when the kingdom encounters people who are sick or paralyzed or their lives are broken, then the kingdom of God should bring peace to them. Church, can you say peace? peace. 
When we don't have peace in our lives, we don't have a true revelation of the kingdom having been already established inside of us. Praise God. That is why cancer cannot have the full effect upon us because, yes, these bodies do have to die at some point, but we go on to forever live in the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of God has come. Wherever the kingdom of God is, there should also be joy. So those three, those three signs should always follow kingdom believers and kingdom people. So Jesus was the kingdom of God on earth, and wherever he was, we should be seeing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake into his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Church, when we get this right, when we get this right, when we are full of the kingdom because we're full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're living this rightfully, we will begin to see people coming to us and bringing worst case scenarios to us. You'll begin to see people say, hey, I've prayed, but will you pray? We'll begin to see, see people say, you know what? I, I went to the doctor and the doctor said this, but will you pray, right? Why? Because the kingdom of God is where, church? It's in us. The kingdom of God is in us because that is where God lives. Hallelujah. So everything that Jesus did on earth, we should be seeing, man, this is good. We should be seeing happening around us as well if the Holy Spirit really lives inside of us. The kingdom of God should be being executed around us if we are filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. Let's look at this again. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man. So that's very important uh, as kingdom people, that when people come to us, that we also see their faith on display because that's what it takes. Not faith in us, but in the God that lives inside of us. Seeing their faith, Jesus said, what did Jesus do? It's not a trick. Jesus said. What did Jesus do? Said. Remember what I said? That the kingdom of God is not just what? Starts with a W. Words. The kingdom of God is not just words, but the neck, but what? Starts with a P. Power. The kingdom of God is not just words, but power. Let's keep looking at this. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child. Your sins are what? Forgiven. Remember, the kingdom of God is righteousness. What is righteousness? Right standing with God. If you're in sin, are you in right standing with God? No. So here Jesus is pronouncing, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because the kingdom of God lived inside of Jesus. And I'm trying to tell you this morning that the kingdom of God lives inside of you as well. And we have the power to, to, to make people aware of their sins and lead them into salvation because the kingdom is within us as well. So he spoke. Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. Verse 3 says, but some. But some. And we've got to keep the but some out of the kingdom. We've got to keep the but some out of us. We've got to keep unbelief out of us so the kingdom power can flow. It says, but some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Verse 4, Jesus knew what they were thinking. How did he know? Because he's God. What they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? 
Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk, right? So first he forgave the sins. Can you say righteousness? So this man was paralyzed by a work of the death, by the work of the enemy. So he did not have peace. So if this is truly the kingdom of God on display, we should see righteousness, we should see peace, and then we should see joy. So here we go. Is it easy to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man, come on now, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and what? Said. And what? Said. Remember, the kingdom of God is not just what? Words, but what? Power. So if this is truly the kingdom of God on earth, whatever he says, there will be power to back it up, followed by joy. So then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Basically, what he was saying then as well is peace be unto you. Right. Receive the peace of God. Receive freedom from this paralyzation. Receive freedom from immobility. I give you peace. When I speak to you, there will be nothing missing anymore from you. Nothing lacking anymore from you. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Verse seven says this. And the man slowly and weakly and barely God up. Is that what it says? Not at all. Because the kingdom of God is not just word, but what? Power. Power. So if the power goes through, you're going to jump, right? He says, and the man jumped up and went home. And it says, fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen. And they did what? Praise God. Can you say joy? Joy. Joy came, right? They praise God for giving humans such authority. So the kingdom brings righteousness that produces peace that results in joy. Church, say this with me. I want you to get some of this. Say this with me. I have have righteousness righteousness that produces peace that that results in joy. joy. Okay, now say say it like you're happy to get some of this now. I have, I I want you to get sassy up in here. I have righteousness that produces peace that results in joy. So listen to me. Anytime any kind of problem comes up against you, anytime the enemy brings warfare against your house or against your life, you can make that declaration. I have righteousness, right, that that produces peace that results in joy. Don't you care about what you're going through? Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Nope, because this is just temporary, right? I've got something greater. I've got righteousness that produces peace that results in joy. Let's look at another uh, demonstration. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 29. And listen to me right now. The things that I am reading to you right now don't just belong to Jesus. They belong to you too. Because the kingdom of God is where? It's in you too. You gotta believe this. You have to receive this. Says this then a demon possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, 
Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? Church, I can't wait to get testimonies back from you that you're laying hands on sick people. And that you, we, we, we've been seeing it happen here at Bible study on Wednesday night. We're seeing the power of Satan broken in people's lives at, on Wednesday nights. That's why I try to get you here on a Wednesday. It's not just some weak Bible study time. The power of God is on display on Wednesday nights. And I believe two weeks in a row, people have been freed from demonic oppression. Just last last Wednesday night, there was a man that was baptized in the Holy Spirit after Bible study right here at the altar. I'm trying to tell you that the kingdom of God is at hand. He is here and he is living inside of us right now. So the crowd was amazed and asked that question. Verse 24, but when the Pharisees, man, there's always that, that Pharisee spirit is still in this earth today trying to block God's power and block God's kingdom from coming. But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said this. No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But listen to this, verse 28, listen to this. This is probably when he would have, could have dropped the microphone, right? But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Church, can I ask you this question and say yes? Are demons still being cast out of people today in this age? Yes. So listen to what this says. If I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and plunder the house. So church, listen. Where the works of Satan meet their end, and a greater power is exhorted over him, is where the kingdom of God is present. And we've seen this in our fellowship. And we know that the kingdom of God is present here. So listen, anywhere you see the works of Satan in your life, you've got to know that you have the faith and power and ability and authority to release the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness and see growth and see the enemy move out of your way. So what must be done then? Church, we have to do this. If you're still struggling with battles, spiritual battles, if you don't have a, the, the full taste of righteousness, the full taste of peace, the full taste of joy, then what that tells me is that we must have a greater submission. For the word of God says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. It's hard to submit to something you're surrendered to. It's hard to submit to something you like, Right? If you want it around, you're not going to submit to God. So we got to make a choice and say, God, I choose to submit to you. Now I can resist it. It's hard to resist something you like. you got to learn how to hate sin and hate the evil that's attached to it. Now, let's continue. We're going to learn about kingdom ambassadors, and that's exactly what you are. So, Father, as I go into this series of uh, verses, my prayer for your people right now in Jesus' name is for clarity and cleanliness. 
Would you wash us right now in Jesus' name? Every work that the enemy is up to in our lives to make us feel like we're not kingdom ambassadors, Jesus, would you please remove it from our midst right now? May faith arise in this moment to say, I am an ambassador of the kingdom. The kingdom of God lives inside of me. I reject the works of Satan. I reject everything he's doing to bring me down or my family down. I come against it with the full authority of Jesus Christ. And for this, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are kingdom ambassadors as found in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. So listen to this. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples, and he gave them power and authority. What did he give them? Power and authority. Remember, he taught them, right? Jesus taught them many words. But the kingdom of God is not just what? Words. Let's get this again. These were his disciples. He taught them many words. He taught them many parables. He taught them how to pray. But remember, the kingdom of God is not just what? Words, but what? Power. So listen to this. He gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveling bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Can you say this with me, church? I have been given, have been given. power. And authority, and I have been sent. Okay, so how do we change the world then? So we've got to take the focus off just coming to church, right, and going out and being the church, right? Because there's people out there sick, there's people out there who are oppressed with many demons and uh, oppressed by the devil, and nothing happens if we just, man. Nothing happens if we just come here Sunday after Sunday and get more words. Do you hear me, church? It's not just about hearing more words all the time. Because the kingdom of God is not just words, but power. So, Father, we thank you for not just the word of God that's being preached today, but the faith to hear it and to respond and know that we now have a power that we have been called to operate in. So it says this in verse 6, so they began, so they began. So my question for the church is this, I'm so thankful that we have began, right? We have began. I'm not going to ask you the question, have you began, because we have began. You all are doing amazing things for God everywhere you are. You're doing amazing things at work. I know, I know of some of you, I've been to where some of you work, and I know the power of God is there. So I know that you have began this good work, and you have to know that God is going to bring this good work to a completion as well. But listen, there's no undercover kingdom ambassadors, right? Now, the police, op uh, the police uh, department has undercover officers, but God doesn't have any undercover officers, right? You don't, you're not called to fit in anywhere, 
right? So when the, when the jokes, when all the cussing is happening at work and all those things, and we don't go, we don't smack them with our Bible or anything, but we just say, you know, ah, you know I'm just walking away. I had to do this at, at, at my job, at roll call. Everyone there is not a Christian I work with, right? And as soon as we were given our mission for the day, you know, you'll be on this side of town, you'll be on that side of town, watch for car break-ins, watch for this, watch for that. As soon as official business was over, I was out of there. Why? Because that's when the, the, the lewd and rude jokes and, you know, people are just going to be people, right? People that belong to, uh, Lord, how am I, let me clean this up. <laughs> people that do not belong to God are not going to talk like people who belong to God. Righteousness is not going to be exalted in that room after official business is over. The Bibles don't come out after roll call is over, right? So God just had me get out of there. Now, there's sometimes he might say stay because I want you to interject something. But listen, if you're around corruption, corruption can come into you. If you're around cursing, if you're around a whole lot of cursing, you got to be careful. And you got to pray. And you got to say, Lord, don't let this get in my spirit. Because I've caught myself before having cuss words in my head. Oh, they're looking at me weird, Lord. You made me say it, right? I've caught myself having cuss words in my head. Why? Because I was around a whole lot of cussing. And when you're around that stuff, that stuff can get on you. So it's very careful. You say, Lord, as I'm in this environment, would you shield me? Would you guard my mind? Would you protect me so that none of this gets inside of me and becomes part of me? Amen. So we have to make a difference where we are because we are the sent ones. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? This is the big question for all of us right now. If you want to see the kingdom of God moving in your life with power, with righteousness, with peace and joy, you've got to be able to answer this question correctly. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Verse 17 says, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So listen, church, and we're almost finished. Okay. I have to interject that. So you come back alive for a moment. We're almost finished. Okay. So when we have a revelation of who he is, we get a greater revelation of who we are. Come on. It's like looking at Jesus and beholding him and knowing that he is in you and you are in him. Can, you, can we pray this prayer together uh, momentarily, church? Can you say this with me? Father, Father in, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you, I'm asking you for, a for a greater revelation of Messiah, of Messiah. So, I can have so I can have a greater revelation of who you are in me. In Jesus' name, amen. So once, Jesus, once Peter said, you are the Messiah, then Jesus told him who he was, right? Come on, church, you got to get that. You got to get that. Once you have a revelation of who God is, he'll tell you who you are. And that's exactly what happened there. So 
As I was studying the keys of the kingdom of heaven, I learned something that I never knew before as I studied out this translation. And some that translate the Bible say this, that this is, a, this is possibly a better rendering of that translation, which means this. So not, not only is it whatever you forbid on earth will be hidden, forbidden in heaven or whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven, but it's this, that whatever you forbid on earth will have already been forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will already have been permitted in heaven. So listen, it's already forbidden, it's already permitted, it's already bound, it's already loose. So when we have the keys, we have the authority to lock up on earth what has been authorized, unauthorized in heaven and to unlock on earth what is authorized in heaven. So I can use the keys of the kingdom to release into myself the healing that God has already promised. So if he already says that I am healed and I see sickness in my body, I can say that this is unauthorized. God, I, I use the keys of the kingdom of heaven to say, I, I loose myself from this sickness because you have already done it, Jesus. You have already done it. You have already purchased for me my healing and you've already purchased for me my peace and already purchased for me my salvation. Now, I know we work in conjunction with God, but we've got to get the fullness of this scripture and I'm going to continue to search it out. But that's just a part. Part of it. So we've got the keys that we can we can loose on earth and it be loose in heaven and we can bind on earth and it be bound in heaven as well. So we've got to learn how to use those keys in their fullness. All right. Let's go on now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 11 through 21. And Kimberly, you can come at this time. So it says this because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. So that's our kingdom job. That's our kingdom assignment as ambassadors that we go about persuading others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we committing ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. You hear that? Those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task... This is us. This is all of us. He's given us this task. This means that we're all ministers. We're all ambassadors. What is the task? The task of reconciling people to him. How do they need to be reconciled? They need righteousness. They need peace. And they need joy in the Holy Spirit. And we've got a message that we can tell them. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. Remember, we don't have a life anymore. Our life is now in Christ. And he has a message that he wants to speak to the world. And that message is this. This is every one of us has one sermon at least. Every one of us has one sermon at least. Don't say, I don't have anything to speak or I don't have a message. Jesus, when he lives inside of us, when the kingdom is, is inside of us, there is one sermon that is being preached. And here it is. Come back to God. Can you say that, church? Can I hear your sermon again? Oh my good, that's a good. Preach it again. Come on. Preach it again. One more time. That's your sermon right there. Come back to God, right? We were evicted from the garden. Humanity was evicted from the garden. But now through Jesus Christ, we can do what? Say it again. Come on, that's your sermon. When Jesus lives inside of you, we all have a sermon, and that sermon is come back to God. Well, well what's the foundation of the sermon, or, or, or how will I know what it means? Verse 21, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So that's what you're preaching. Come be made right with God through Christ. Finally, I want to share with you the glory of the kingdom. So I shared with you the revelation of the kingdom, uh, righteousness. I shared with you peace, right? The works of Satan are destroyed in our lives, and the wrath of God isn't our portion anymore. We get the joy of fellowship with him forevermore. So now, what is the glory of the kingdom? Because that's what the message title this morning was, the kingdom, the power, and the glory. I'm going to share these passages with you. Romans 5, verses 1 through 2 say this. Church, first of all, can you say glory? Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Romans 5, 1 and 2, God, uh, you all, is the whole kingdom plan and purpose being revealed, right? It, it, it talks about righteousness, which is being made right in God's sight by faith. It talks about peace, which is, is, what we, is what we have because of what Jesus has done for us. And it talks about joy, and that is what we look forward to sharing in God's promised glory. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 through 29 say this. Now, now, while I'm closing, I'm shifting this message now for the saints of God to watch guard and to understand the weight of our assignment of being kingdom ambassadors, right? We got a lot of good news, right? But now we got to tidy this thing up and bring order to it and hear what God is saying in these last two passages. Listen to this. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one, capital O, God, who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Listen to this. Once again, 
I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. We see shaking happening around the world and the economy right now, right? There's shaking happening. Verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, praise God, on the inside of you is a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy awe and fear. For our God is a devouring fire. And finally, speaking of that fire that lives on the inside of us, um, Paul reminded Timothy of this last thing, saints, and I'm going to remind you of this, that there's a gift from God that lives in each and every single one of you. There's a gift from God that helps you to operate in that sermon that you're called to preach, which is return to God. Some of you have mercy and the gift of healing and the gift of tongue and all the, the gift of prophecy. Many of you have different gifts and these are to assist you in that one gospel message in which you proclaim to this world, which is come back to God. Listen to this. I remember your genuine faith. Church, we remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you, church, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and of timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So why? Why does he want us to know this? Because we are his ambassadors and we have a message. Why is it important that we do not have fear? Verse 8 tells us why. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. The reason we must fan the flame, church, is because we must brighten the light. You are the light of the world. But if the fire has gone dim inside of you, then the fan, the, then we need to flame, I'm sorry, fan the flame. Why else? We need to also fan the spirit of God that lives inside of us. He's a consuming fire. Now, Many of you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and many of you may be still seeking that baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of Holy Spirit? John baptized in water for the repentance of sin, but Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can have the power to become witnesses. That's why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not just to speak in tongue, not just to lay hands on the sick, all that stuff. It, it goes hand in hand with being witnesses. So, Father, we thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of fire, that we might be witnesses. Because it's impossible to be an ambassador for Christ without the power of God living inside of you, which is the Holy Spirit. So we need to fan the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Why? So we won't be ashamed to be kingdom ambassadors and reconcilers. Father, I pray for this body of Christ right now in Jesus name shame and fear be gone spirit of shame and fear be gone for you have not given your ambassadors the spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind or self-discipline because we have a message to tell the world come back to God and we don't want to have any fear while doing it Say this with me, church. I do not fear, do not fear the, message of God the message of God 
he has put in my mouth. I do not fear rejection from the message in my mouth. I do not fear rejection. They are not rejecting me. They are rejecting him. I am secure in my righteousness. I am secure in my peace. I am secure in my joy because the kingdom of God lives in me. Praise the Lord. Father, I just thank you now in Jesus' name for this message that has went forth. Some of us have never told a neighbor about you. Some of us have never told a coworker about you. Some of us have never told a stranger about you. Some of us have never told a family member about you. So Holy Spirit, we're not just gonna just start doing it, Father God, according to our own will. But Holy Spirit, I believe there's some people that you want to save who are connected to us. And Father, may this word come back to God. May it be louder in our lives, not just through our words, but power. Not just words, but power. So Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would heal your soldiers in this place right now. Heal your soldiers that have been going through spiritual warfare. Heal, heal your soldiers that have been on the battlefield, God. Heal, heal your soldiers that have been serving you in churches for a long time. Heal your soldiers of church hurt. Heal your soldiers of rejection, God. Heal, heal your soldiers of the spirit of fear. We just cast that off now in Jesus' name. And we just declare we are not afraid to tell people to come back to God. Because in that message is salvation. In that message is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I thank you that no one is beyond your love. That no one is beyond hearing that message. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would remove our selfishness from out of the way of that message. You want everyone to hear that message. Not just who we want to hear it and who, do, who we don't want to hear it. So we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that as we're led by the Spirit of God in our lives, that that message, come back to God, will be prevalent. We talk about the weather, but we won't say, come back to God. We'll talk about how cold it is, but we won't say, come back to God. We'll tell people about a new restaurant, but won't say, come back to God. So, Father, may that word, come back to God, be in us boldly, without hesitation and without fear as your spirit leads us. Lord, we're thankful this morning to learn about the kingdom of God living inside of us. We have righteousness through Christ, peace through Christ, and joy through Christ. So now we bless you and thank you for this word. We are kingdom ambassadors. God, I thank you that your word has power. And these people today did not just receive a word, but they received power as well. Power over the enemy. Power over themselves. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask if anyone desires to give their life to Jesus Christ or if anyone desires the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask the uh, intercessors and elders and pastors to come down to the altar at this time. Father, I thank you that we are a living kingdom. 
I thank you that when we get home and we see our lives and how we've set it up around us, if we see things that are outside of the kingdom that we'll start